Well, good morning. Welcome to all of you who are joining us here today at our Maryville location. Those of you who are watching online and those of you who are with us in Bearden, I want to welcome every single one of you. My name's Landon. I'm one of the pastors here at FC. And as always, I'm honored. Thank you, Pastor Trent, uh, for, for giving me an opportunity to share with you all something that I'm very, very passionate about about. And, uh, you know, if you don't know me, I've been on staff here for what'll be eight years this summer. And uh, I've got the opportunity to oversee different things here. But I really just feel as if like me and my wife, my wife and I, we got to grow up here at this church. And, and we've, we've seen God change our lives here at this place. And this place is a special, special place. And so if you are a visitor here with us today, I just want to say welcome and uh, just stick around here because it's a, it's a great place. It's good to be here at Foothills Church. So in my time here, there's been one major change in my life that has changed me. And that is I now have kids, okay? And uh, if you have kids, you know that that changes your entire existence. And uh, I have a almost four-year-old, I have a one-year-old, and we're expecting our third this summer. Uh, so definitely excited about that. Uh, but I say that just to say we are tired, okay? We're very exhausted at all points in time. And if you have toddlers, if you have littles, you know exactly what I am talking about. Um, and one thing that is incredibly important to my wife and I right now is sleep. If the kids don't sleep, we go crazy. If the kids don't sleep, my marriage struggles. If the kids don't sleep, I want to burn my house down, okay? It is a, uh, it's just a, a pretty precious commodity at the Reynolds household. And one thing we learned very, very early is you never wake a sleeping baby, okay? It doesn't matter if it's like nap time and they've slept nine hours, just take it as a blessing from the Lord. Don't wake the kid up, all right? Because sleep is a, is a commodity when you have toddlers. Now, this is Charleston when she was little, all right? Oh, sleeping baby, so cute, right? Yeah, okay. But, but when the child wakes up, when they're not supposed to, uh, things get a little chaotic because a baby that refuses to sleep is a problem, okay? It, it, it's tough. Uh, and, and so when, when Leanne and I, we're so naive. Uh, when, when we didn't have kids yet, we'd go to our friend's house who had littles and, uh, and like we would walk in and they'd be like, hey, don't ring the doorbell. The baby's napping. Uh, don't, you know, take your shoes off. It, you don't want to hear, hear him walking down the hallway. Uh, and we were like, Leanna, we will never be those people who like tiptoe around their children while they're trying to nap. And now like, if the baby's napping, we don't use metal forks because they clang too much. <laughs> so so I, I know uh, that we are now those people, right? Now, there's this amazing, amazing invention, and it's a lifesaver, right? It's called the pacifier, okay? And a passy uh, could be your best friend with toddlers. Uh, and we've all done this before. If, if your child is napping and they take a passy, and, and you know, like babies, when they're little, they don't really keep the passy in very long. So you might hear the baby start to stir a little bit in their room and you kind of look at each other and you're like, the passy has fallen, all right? It's, it's like Washington DC has fallen. <laughs> it's like that, that level threat. Um, so if you're a dad, you've probably done the army crawl into the room, okay? Because if you make eye contact with said baby, baby wakes up more. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so you kind of like 
open the door and you like tiptoe, but then you like hit the deck. And, and you can't rise up above the crib because eye contact. Um, and so you crawl, army crawl in there, and then you like throw your hand over and you like start searching for the pass. You're like, where's that? Don't make eye contact. Gotta find it, gotta find it. And then you find it, and then you try to figure out a way to like get the passy into the child's grasp or into the baby's mouth so that the baby goes back to sleep, you have peace in your home, you can spend some time with your wife, and your life goes better that way. The passy is an ingenious, ingenious invention. Now, because when that voice starts screaming, you're your night. It may just not be the same. It may not go the way you planned. Now, here's the reason I bring this up. Today, we begin a brand new series called Gospel Voice. And this series is really about us as a church embracing and engaging the new faces and the new people who are in our community, who are coming, and, and also as well the lost people in our community, and sharing with them our gospel voice, sharing with these people the hope of the gospel, and leaving the walls of our church and going out into our community to share the hope. And we hope that our gospel voice will impact our area in Knoxville and here in Maryville. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Landon, what does that word gospel even mean? Because that's kind of like, well, we, we'll call it Christianese language for a little bit. It might not be a term that you would use in your regular life if you weren't a part of a church. So let's talk about what the gospel means. First off, I'm gonna define the gospel like this. The gospel literally means good news. It means good news. It means that, that well, what is the good news? Well, the good news is that Jesus who is the son of God, came to earth, died to death, and for, forgave us of our sins for those of us who trusted in him, but rose again on the third day. And now we can experience the life that is found in Jesus. That is good news. That is the ultimate good news. So when we talk about our gospel voice, what we're talking about is using your gospel voice means that you're sharing the good news of Jesus. And so just like that sleeping baby, what we want to happen as a church is we want to wake up and to use our voice and change the whole environment around us. But I know if I'm honest, I don't always do a good job of waking up and using my gospel voice. I'm a pretty task-oriented guy. I like lists. I, I, I can often value projects over people. I like to, to go and, and do my thing, run my errand, get it done, get it done in the, the quickest amount of time possible. I like to go to the gym. I like to keep my AirPods in. I like to listen to my podcast or listen to my audio book and do my thing and not really talk to anybody. So I know particularly that I'm not always doing a good job of waking up and using my gospel voice. And it's almost like sometimes I'll just go through my day and I'll be asleep. In fact, I think a lot of us in America and a lot of us in our community are asleep spiritually. You know, Barna Research, they, they talk about the state of evangelism and the state of sharing the gospel in the US. And I wanted to read to you a few statistics here. Uh, number one, it says this, that nearly half of millennial practicing Christians. Now, that's a really important term here. I'm a millennial. It's basically from all of us who are 25 to 40, 45 or so. We're millennials. So nearly half of millennial practicing Christians 
This is not just millennials in general, and this is not just people who say that they're a Christian. These are people who are going to church. These people who are doing the whole Christian deal, they're practicing their religion. And they say it's wrong to evangelize. What an, what an interesting statistic there. Next one says this, almost two in five practicing Christians, all ages, say they have no non-Christian friends or family members. Very interesting. Next one says this, more than half of practicing Christians report having two or few, two or fewer conversations about faith with a non-Christian during the past year. So as I look at this, I just think to myself, I'm like, are we asleep? Maybe a lot of Christian families are asleep. Maybe a lot of Christian teenagers, people who when they die, they're going to heaven, are walking through earth asleep. Maybe there's a lot of dads and a lot of moms and a lot of churches that are asleep and we need to wake up and share our gospel voice. And I bet the enemy is loving it. And you know what? The enemy is loving it because you know what would be a great strategy to keep us up, to keep us from waking up and using our gospel voice? Well, the same strategy we use with our girls. Just give them the passy. And, and no, I'm not talking about a literal passy, but instead, give us something to distract us, to coddle us, to lull us back to sleep so that we never share our gospel voice. And in America, oftentimes it goes something like this. Oh, shh, 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 go baby, 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 go back to sleep. Don't go there. Don't speak up. Don't make it awkward. Here's some Netflix, just hit next. Or shh, 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 here's the passy. Baby, baby, don't judge that person's soul. Don't, don't share the gospel with them. Here's some Instagram. Shh, shh, shh. Just keep, just keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Or shh, 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 they probably voted for that person you didn't like. They're a waste of your time. Here's another podcast to confirm your bias. Go, go back to sleep. Or, or baby, baby, here, here's another thing for you to argue about. Prove that you're right. Don't tell them about Jesus. Those people have already lost their minds. Keep arguing. Go back to sleep. I mean, I want you to stop for a moment and think about how much we've argued in the past two years. We've argued mask or no mask, vax or no vax, boost or no boost, this life matters. No, no, this life matters. And I think 20 years down the road, we're gonna look back and just see how anxious and angry we were in these past few years. Because we argued so much. We're just on edge at all times, ready to, to jump on social media or, or just talk bad about somebody or chop someone's head off with our words. And, and, and I think we just argue all the time and it keeps us distracted from the mission and keeps us asleep. I read something that blew my mind the other day from the MIT Technology Review. It said this, that in 2019, almost all of Facebook's top Christian pages were run by foreign troll farms. Now, you may not know what a troll farm is and be really wondering what you showed up for today. Um, but a troll farm basically is, is a group of, uh, basically a group of, of people who are creating fake profiles that are just there to, to cause dissent and to get people to argue and to post absolutely ridiculous things that nobody in the real world actually believes just to get us arguing with one another. Here's what it says. 
in 2019, 19 of the top 20 Facebook pages for American Christians, these are Christian pages, were run by Eastern European troll farms overseas. Internal documents leaked to MIT Technology Review reveal. The data shows the vast spread of Facebook misinformation is largely powered by coordinated efforts among, among foreign professionals working together to spread provocative content in the U.S. Now, does that not sound like a great strategy from keeping us from fo being focused on sharing our gospel voice? I know it sounds simple, but we can't love someone we hate. I know you came to church for that, right? Why would we ever share the gospel with someone we can't even stand to talk to? It's just another passy, go back to sleep, divide us, polarize us so that we lose this voice of conviction that we're supposed to have in a lost world. It's just another passy, go back to sleep. Now, this is not a strategy that only Christians in 2022 have had to deal with. In fact, it's an age-old strategy that even the disciples after Jesus' resurrection had to confront, and they were distracted and they were sleepy too. So today's story comes out of Acts 1, 6. But before we dive in, let me set up the context for you. All right, so think about this for a moment. Israel was not a free and autonomous nation. They were under Roman rule, but God promised them a savior. So in other words, let's apply this to our context. Imagine for a moment, a foreign power has beaten us in war and they've moved their troops onto our soil and they've set up their government here in the U.S., and in Washington, D.C., there's no longer red, white, and blue flying, but a different flag. How's your heart doing right now? And then, in the midst of that, us being under rule from someone else, God promises a savior to us. So in that moment, who are you looking for as a savior? If you're like me, you're wanting General Patton, Ronald Reagan, and George Washington to come back from the heavens on a bald eagle. You're just... You're ready, right? You want the military hero. You want the Churchill type person. You want the guy who's gonna come back, who's gonna overthrow the Romans and to be your savior. So in verse six, I want you to imagine this. Again, put yourself in their shoes. Jesus has died at the hands of the Romans. He suffered unjust, unjustly. He was humiliated, hung naked on a Roman cross. And now he's back. He's done the impossible. And if I'm Peter, James, and John, I'd be thinking, who cares about all that love thy neighbor mumbo jumbo? Let's show these Romans who we are. Let's get our freedom back. It's time to make Jerusalem greater. Never mind, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> but that would be, that's what they would be thinking, right? They'd be thinking, hey, we, we used to be our own nation and now we're not. And God promised us a savior. So let's do this thing. Let's get back, let's go. They wanted Israel to be restored. I mean, who could blame them, right? This is the type of person. In fact, let me read you exactly what they say from Acts 1.6. It says this, that, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom to Israel? So do you see what I mean? They've forgotten all that Jesus had taught them. I mean, think about this, just a few months ago, just a few months ago, Jesus was telling the disciples, listen, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. 
I don't know if you've ever seen a sheep amongst wolves that doesn't end well. He was just now telling them that, that you're gonna experience persecution, that they're gonna drag you out into the synagogues and to the courts and they're gonna beat you and they're gonna flog you and you should expect that you're gonna face trials of many kinds. I mean, Jesus was just telling them this four, five, six months ago. And now they're thinking, all right, is it our time? Is it our time to do the beating for a little bit? Is it our time now? And they wanted the kingdom of Israel restored from the Romans. I mean, what good Jew wouldn't want that? Well, there was one Jew who had different plans and his name was Jesus. And in verse seven, it says this, and he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Now, us New Testament believers, we've read the end of the book. We know what happens at the end, that Jesus one day does come back and he takes out any person that stands against any power, principality, sin, evil, demons, death. He crushes them and he sets up a new Jerusalem, a new heavens and a new earth. We know that that's the way this thing ends, but we don't know when it's gonna happen. We don't know how it's gonna happen. And that doesn't make it that we don't still have a mission to do right now. But see, the disciples, they were distracted. They were focused on that. And Jesus says, that's not for you to know right now. But he says, instead, here's what will happen. He says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, in a moment, we're gonna focus on this passage a little more closely. But for now, let's understand the overall meaning. Jesus tells them, don't overly concern yourself with what will happen. Instead, here's what's about to happen. He says, you're gonna receive power and you're gonna go out and share the news that Jesus, whom the Romans crucified, is back and he is the Messiah and he is not dead, he is alive. And you're gonna go out from here and you're gonna share that all the way from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. So to be clear, let's think about this because I bet you may not know a lot about Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, it was home base. Jerusalem was an area that was safe. Sure, it had its own, had its own dangers, but, but in general, they were comfortable in Jerusalem. It was Jewish, they were good. In Judea, Judea, that would have been more like the surrounding countryside. So yes, it was still pretty Jewish, but it would have been a little less comfortable. They would have had gotten out of their home base all around Judea and the surrounding countryside. But Samaria, the Jews, they did not like Samaritans. They considered them half-blood Jews. They considered them imposters. They did not like them at all. So to go to someone that they didn't even consider a Jew, that would have been a very, very big deal and something that would have made them extremely uncomfortable, not to mention the ends of the earth. Those were Gentiles. They weren't anything like them. Those people were considered barbarians to them. They didn't have the law. They didn't have the system of government that they had. They didn't have the temple. They were barbaric to them. And Jesus tells them to go. And then here's what he says next. In verse nine, it says that when he said these things, they were looking upon them and he was lifted up and a cloud took Jesus out of their sight. It's like the ultimate mic drop moment. He's like, hey, listen, you're gonna go and you're gonna get out of here and it's gonna be tough and it's gonna be hard, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, peace. I give to you, I'm out. <laughs> um, you know, 
the ascension of Jesus leaves them, but he says, I'm gonna give you a power and you're gonna go sharing the gospel, knowing that you have the power to be effective when you share. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit and he's coming upon you. And against all odds and against all common sense, Jesus and his disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit, they go. And boy, did they go. Church history says that John went to France and Matthew went to India and Philip went to Eastern Europe and Jude went to Assyria and Bartholomew went to Turkey, Thomas went to China, James went to Spain, Simon to Africa, Peter to Rome, and most of them died horrible, gruesome deaths. But they shared their gospel voice. And then the people they shared it with shared their gospel voice. And eventually that gospel voice was heard all the way here today in 2022 here in East Tennessee. And the question is, will you do it too? Will you do the same thing? Will you go? I mean, yes, I'm talking to you. Like new Christian in the room. Yeah, yeah, I know you just got baptized. Yes, you, will you go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to you, retired sir or ma'am in the room who feels like this is the time to coast. No, 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 it's not the time to coast. Will you still go? Yes, 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 I'm, talk, I'm talking to you, those who are watching with us online and, 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 and you, you, you've been at home for a long time. You still have a place to go. Are, are, you, are you willing to go? Yes, I'm talking to you, those of you who are watching with us at Bearden. You have to go. You gotta go up and down the roads. You gotta go into the communities of Knoxville. We gotta, we gotta go to Farragut. We gotta go to Powell. And we gotta go to all the different communities around us. Will you go? And will you go even beyond there? Will you go? Are you willing to go because the same Holy Spirit that was in the disciples that sent them out all across the world is in you today. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but today's a pretty special time and place in our church. Did you know that in the last 12 months, we've had over 2,500 people attend our church for the first time? Or do something, engage in our church for the first time? 2,500 new people. In fact, I'd love to do a little survey of the room here for a moment. Uh, and, and I want you to do this, even if you're watching with us at Bearden, okay? Um, if you moved to the area um, post-COVID 2020, so like after the lockdowns and all that, if you moved to this area since then, would you just raise your hand? Look around, guys. Wow. You can put your hands down. I don't know about you all in Bearden, but here in Maryville, there were hands up everywhere. You know, people are moving to this area and, and we have to be ready to share the gospel with them. Uh, the Florida Atlantic University says this in one of their studies. They said this, that, that Knoxville is the number 32 hottest housing market in the United States. Bearden, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity. There's people moving from all over the country to your state, to your area. We gotta reach them. I know we're in a, I know we're in a school right now and it's not always easy, but guess what? We have a mission. Another thing that U-Haul, U-Haul, uh, they track a lot of migration data. Uh, the Volunteer State posted the largest net gain of U-Haul trucks crossing its borders in 2020, making it the number one U-Haul growth state for the first time. So if you just moved here, welcome to Tennessee, the U-Haul state, all right? <laughs> Don't really get a lot of badges for that, but there you go, go Vols, all right? Uh, it says this in, in the next article, uh, it says that East and Central Tennessee are enjoying the biggest gains in the U-Haul arrivals. The top growth cities include Knoxville, the Tri-Cities, Cookville, Clarksville, Cleveland, Murfreesboro, and Maryville. 
are all receiving new people. And it's almost as if God's sending people here, right? And we can complain about the growth or maybe God puts you in your neighborhood, in your school, at your job, and in this church because you have a gospel voice that somebody needs to hear. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think that might be what God is doing. And you could say, well, I don't really know what to think about that. I don't really like the, uh, what's happening. And, or you could share the gospel with them. And you may think, well, I don't really know what to say, Pastor Landon. I, they, these people don't look like me. They, may, they, they, don't, they weren't raised like me. They, they may not even vote or, or believe like me. These people don't even like the color orange. What? What are, you, what are we doing? Pack 12 people coming in here. What even is that? And we could think that and we could get overwhelmed. Or we could remember the truth that Acts 1.8 is teaching us is that my bottom line today, if the spirit is in you, you have a gospel voice too. If the spirit's in you, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you today, you have a gospel voice that can be powerful and effective with those whom you share with. So let's go back to this verse here, all right? Acts 1.8, it says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. So what I wanna do for a moment is I wanna zero in on this verse. Let's think about this for a moment, this first word I have highlighted, you. Let's remember who you are. God knows every single thought you've ever thought. He's seen everything you've ever done. The things that you thought were secret, he knows. He was there with you in the lowest point of your life. He was there when, when your, your children were born. He was there when you went through that tough season. He was there when you had that cancer diagnosis. He was there in that courtroom when you got sent to jail. He was right there with you. He's seen the good, but he also knows the bad. You and I are not deserving of the power of the Holy Spirit to be working in us and through us. And I can't even really comprehend the amount of grace it takes to want to use someone like me because I know the things I've done. I know who I am. And you know who you are too. But God has chosen to use you. Now let's talk about the word power. Power. You may be thinking, what does power mean? What does that mean? Well, as we see, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us power. Now, throughout the New Testament, we see that, that people are healing people, that people are coming back to life, that there's visions and dreams and all these miraculous things. Now, whether you believe that the miraculous gifts have stopped and have ceased, or whether you can believe that those things continue here today, it doesn't matter what you believe, no one disagrees that the Holy Spirit still gives you power to share the gospel and see someone come to faith in Christ. No one disagrees with that. Here's why. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So here's what this means. And it's very, very important for us to understand. When he says every spiritual blessing, that means when you give your life to Jesus, you have everything you need 
to live a life of godliness and to have a powerful and effective witness in your life. So now that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, it's not just, oh, people will come to faith in Christ someday or one day here at church. No, no, no. You can share the gospel and people can come to faith in Christ every day in coffee shops and gyms and on your child's sports teams and schools. Listen, you have every spiritual blessing. Why? Because the next part, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Now, we often talk a lot about Jesus. We talk a lot about the Father, but some of us get a little weird when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. We kind of treat him like Cousin Eddie. If he shows up at Christmas time with the RV, things get a little weird. But the Holy Spirit's not like that. The Holy Spirit is God and has always existed. We see this in Genesis that it says, let us make man in our image, meaning God the Father talking to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It's one God in three distinct persons. So I want to give you a little bit of like a 30,000 foot view of the Holy Spirit. So God's always existed, but then uh, God the Holy Spirit has always existed and the Holy Spirit has existed ever since then. And it was the Holy Spirit's power that created the world. So it wasn't just the Father saying it happened and it happened. No, the Holy Spirit was the one that hovered over the waters and created the skies and created the stars and the heavens and the earth and even humans. He was the one who breathed breath into us, the Holy Spirit. And then in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit gave power to some of God's people to do God's will. So we see Joshua, he prays, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and the sun doesn't set that day when he prays. We see Samson, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he has superhuman strength to do extraordinary things because the Holy Spirit was upon him. We see Elijah, he prays, calls fire down from heaven. The Holy Spirit's strength was upon him. And then later on in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was promised to be poured out in on all of God's people one day. So we see that Joel says that your, your young women will dream dreams and, your, and, and all these miraculous things would one day happen when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us. And then the Holy Spirit's power was with Jesus in the New Testament, was the power behind his miracles, and it was what raised Christ from the dead. Jesus just didn't decide to get up. It was the Holy Spirit's power that raised him up from the dead and while we worship him today. And then after Acts 1 and Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit falls on every believer for all of time. So if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. So throughout the New Testament, we see that people are being healed and all these crazy things are happening and the Holy Spirit begins to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And now today, right where we sit, early January, the Holy Spirit, the same one that was with Elijah, that was with Samson, that was with Joshua, that was with Jesus, that was at creation, is in you today. We gotta remember that. And I'm hoping that it's clicking for somebody here today. I'm hoping that it's clicking that the same Holy Spirit that the Roman nails could not kill, that the stakes couldn't burn, and that tombs couldn't hold is in you. God is in you today. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, you have a gospel voice too. I really believe some of us just need to wake up. We gotta remember what type of power is in us. And if you could just remember that the Holy Spirit is in you, maybe you would have the boldness to share your gospel voice too. So that's my challenge today, is to share, to go out, to leave this place and to share the gospel. 
as you walked in today and, and, and outside at our Maryville location and in our atrium at Bearden, you probably saw a little thing that looked like a fish tank. Um, and, and here's what we're gonna be encouraging you to do. We're gonna be encouraging now through Easter to fill that with these little normal playground balls here. And here's what we want. We want every time that you have a gospel conversation to drop a ball in there. And what we want to see happen is we wanna watch and see how high we can fill that thing as a church to represent hundreds of FC partners having thousands of gospel conversations so that everybody in East Tennessee might have an opportunity to meet Jesus. And you may be thinking, what is a gospel conversation? So when you come back next week, we want you to have gospel conversations and drop for everyone that you have, drop one in. Here's what a gospel conversation is. A gospel conversation is when you share the gospel. When you do use three circles, when you, when you do the, uh, when you use three circles or when you share your testimony or you use the Romans road and you actually have that conversation, we want you to drop one in. We're actually gonna be doing a training at the end of the month on how to do that if you, if you need help. Um, we're gonna, a gospel conversation is a care through prayer moment where somebody shares with you something tough that's going on in their life and you inject the hope of Jesus and pray for them right then and there as a way to care for them. The, th the third thing is this is a personal invite to church would count as a gospel conversation. So a time where you build a relationship with somebody when you say, hey, I really want you to tell you about, I really wanna tell you about Jesus. Why don't you come to church with me this week? You can sit with me. It's not just posting a picture on Facebook, inviting people, but it's, it's having that personal invite. And what we wanna see is we wanna see what the Lord can do because here's what I know. Jesus calls us the most inconvenient times in our lives. Not on my schedule, not on my plans, not on my agenda. He brings people into my day that I can talk to, that I can influence. It might be at the gym and it might be in my neighborhood walk after dinner, it might be at the store. But I oftentimes ignore his voice and I go to sleep on what the Spirit's calling me to do. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we all did this, if we all did this, I believe the environment in East Tennessee would be completely changed. But it's gotta be we all, you, me, not just the pastors, not just those who've been going to church a long time, not just the partners, no, no, no. If we all rallied around this, that we're gonna have gospel conversations, I bet we would see a serious change happen here in our area, but we all gotta do it. And here's the temptation for us. The temptation for us is to, is to hear a message like this and to leave and, and to, to look at our bills that are coming in and to look at our schedules and, and to, to binge that next series, Cobra Kai, um, Cobra Kai Never Die. Um, it's just the... It's just to get back in the distractions, to pop the pacifier back in. So think about our next vacation and look at our portfolio and, and get distracted. We live in the freest country in the world that many of us are more afraid to share our faith than some of our brothers and sisters in Iran. You know, I was, the, where I got the, the idea for this message uh, came from a documentary called Sheep Amongst Wolves and it follows the persecuted church in Iran. Uh, fascinating documentary. I'd encourage you to watch it. Um, but when you think about Iran, what religion do you think of? Islam. Iran is the number one exporter of radical Islam to the Middle East. Um, 
But when you talk to the pastors who are on the ground, and it shows this in the documentary, the mosques in Iran are empty. And he says, why? Is because the spirit is being poured out in Iran in the persecuted church and thousands upon thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ every single day and every single week in the persecuted church. So there was one couple. Uh, oh, and particularly women are coming to faith in Christ in Iran. And they know that if they confess Christ, they know that they'll be beaten, raped, and killed for their faith. And there was one Christian couple who the woman in the relationship, she said that uh, she, they moved away and they moved to the States. They left persecution, they got out. And then they moved back in about two months. And here were the words that she said. She said this, and this is so good. She said, there's a satanic lullaby here and all the Christians are sleepy and I'm getting sleepy too. And when I heard those words, I was like, man, I gotta tell this to the people of Foothills Church. I gotta tell this to some of the people I'm, I'm connected to. Because we, we get fired up, but then it's like, bring on the passy, bring on the passy, right? Go back to sleep. You, you, you don't have that Holy Spirit in you, like simmer down. Go back to sleep. Shh, 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 shh. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Distraction, distraction, distraction. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and we forget so easily we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. See, the devil himself is kicking our teeth in, tricking us into thinking that we can be engineers, teachers, doctors, and business leaders, but sharing the gospel is too complicated. Why are we buying into this lie? I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the show called Intervention. They normally have someone who's addicted to something and, and they kind of trick them into coming to somewhere and they get there and, and their family's gathered around and they have an intervention moment with them. And it's normally the conversation kind of goes like this. They sit them down, he can't really go anywhere. The family's all around and they kind of say, hey man, we love you. We care about you and we want what's best for you, but you're an addict and something needs to change. And I, when I thought about that, I was like, that's, what we, that's the moment we gotta have this morning. We gotta have an intervention moment. Look around, your family's here. You can't go anywhere right now. I got you trapped. And someone needs to just say to you, hey, I love you and I care for you. And I want what's best for you. But you have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you and something needs to change. We need a collective intervention this morning from the satanic lullaby that we're so addicted to. Because Christ died for you. He rose again for you. He set you free from sin. He gave you his Holy Spirit. So wake up, share the gospel with someone, invite someone to church, go to coffee with someone, pray for that man or that woman the Lord's put on your heart. Because if the spirit is in you, you have a gospel voice too. It's all available. We just have to wake up and walk in it. 
So both locations right now, we're gonna have a collective wake up call through the taking of communion together. And we're gonna remember what Christ has done for us through his death and his resurrection. And then we'll stand up and we'll worship him for it. And then we'll leave this room ready to share the gospel, fully awake, ready to go. So I'm gonna ask that no one get up and leave during this moment. If you don't have one at both locations, section leaders have extras, just pop your hand up. They'll bring you some communion. And then in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And then we'll take communion together at both locations. And you'll be given some instructions to do so. Let me pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. As we take communion today, may it be a wake up call. May it be a reminder that you have set us free so that we might share what you've done for us and be your witnesses. So bless this time as we take communion. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.